thanks for connecting with our online content at Holy Trinity Church in Richmond. We really hope that what we share with you will be a blessing and will help you to continue to grow in your knowledge and love of God. It's always interesting when we stand at the dawn of a new year, isn't it? We stand with hopes and expectations, but with no idea whatsoever what the year ahead is going to bring. I have no idea what 2023 is going to look like as we stand in 12 months' time and look back on it, but I am certain about one thing. For all of us, there will be things in the year ahead that we wished never happened. Some of them are going to be trivial, like we'll close the garage door on the car, which will be a frustration. Maybe we'll blow up the vacuum cleaner because we didn't empty the dust out of it. We'll miss a flight. There are going to be things like that in the year ahead that we wish never happened. In the moment they happen, our stomachs will sink and we'll feel stupid. It might cost us some money to make it right again. It's going to be inconvenient, but it won't be the end of the world. We'll wish they never happened. But in a few days or weeks or months, we'll forget about them and move on. Things will be pretty normal again. Some of us will also face things that we wished never happened in 2023 that will be much more serious. They will be life-changing things. Maybe we'll be diagnosed with an illness or experience the death of a loved one. There are going to be things like losing jobs or facing rejection from family members Maybe a loss of independence that is going to change your life this year. Our children or our grandchildren might have to walk through heartbreaking social challenges. They might face disruption at school or live with the pressures of anxiety in this modern world. Those are the sorts of life-changing things that we wished never happened, which can change us forever. They don't just fade with time, do they? Like the vacuum cleaner blowing up or missing a flight. Those things change us. They change life. In those moments, when the things we never wish never happened show up on our doorsteps, our human hearts are pretty vulnerable. In the moments where the chips are down or regret reigns or despair floods in, who or what we hope in becomes clear in our moments of vulnerability. Our thoughts and our actions, our responses in those difficult moments, reveal what we worship. Today, as we think about 2023 and a new year, we are opening a psalm which calls us to worship God and to give him the honour he is due in verses 1 and 5. It's a psalm that calls us to remember his power in verses 3 to 9 and to live knowing that he is the king in heaven in verses 10 and 11. My hope is that hearing this psalm will give us confidence to turn our hearts to him, to our Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit as we face those difficult moments that 2023 will bring. We know where we're going, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that you hold us in your hand at the dawn of a new year Thank you for the way that you cared for us and loved us in the last year. Lord, we pray that opening your word this morning would give us confidence to trust in you all the more and to walk with you ever more closely. Would you please speak to us through these ancient words in the power of your Holy Spirit who is alive and reigns today. 
with our Lord Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. Well, the psalm is a wonderful psalm that opens with a call to honour God, to give him glory and strength that he is due. It is due to be ascribed to him. In a priestly way, the psalmist calls God's people to give the recognition and place that he is due, not just to, heaven, not just to humans, not just by people, but by heavenly beings in verse 1. It seems an odd call that the psalmist would be talking to heavenly beings. We wouldn't be surprised by a call for people to worship God, but a call for spiritual powers to be told to acknowledge God's honour isn't a really normal way for us to think. Uh, in the West, we hardly think about spiritual powers at all. Israel's world was full of competing spiritual powers. The pantheon of Canaanite gods were worshipped and appeased. They were sacrificed to because they were believed to control things like fertility, how your crops were going to grow, whether there was going to be rain, whether a marriage would be good, the future of your children. Israel lived in a world that was inhabited not only by these major deities, but also by a wide range of other phenomena. Even the spiritual powers that were around contended. They were monstrous cosmic enemies. There were demons as a part of that world. Sometimes living kings or dead kings were worshipped, or the dead more generally were afraid of and appeased. Deities, images and standards, as well as standing stones or holy places, and other cultic items and places were all a part of the religious flavour that happened around Israel. The psalmist is speaking into that cultural reality and recognising a universal truth, even if it isn't universally acknowledged. That God is due honour, and even spiritual powers will have to give it to him. On the day of Jesus' return, Tangaroa and Tane, Ranginui and Papatuanuku will stand with Baal and Marduk and honour the Creator God. The Creator God who should be worshipped. Why should he be worshipped by these other deities? Why should they give him honour? Well, we see it's because of his very nature in verse 2. He is holy. He is unlike any other god. He is perfect and just and righteous. He's unlike other spiritual powers, and he's unlike us. He's unlike us in his goodness and holiness and perfection. He is the king of heaven, verse 11 tells us. And hearing this call to the spiritual world to give honour and glory to God, Israel also hears this call as a reminder for themselves. It's an important call to Israel. Right through the Old Testament, we see the Israelites run off after gods instead of pursuing holiness time and time again. The prophets are sent by God in his patience to turn the hearts of the people back to him from the gods of Israel's neighbours. You just have to open the book of Judges and read the first two chapters and see this continual cycle of God's chosen people turning away from him and him sending a rescuer to bring people back to himself. He delivers them time and time again from their worship of idols. Well, we're not so different to Israel, are we? We might not be grappling with the temptation to worship standing stones or dead monarchs or a fertility goddess. But there is so much which calls us to worship it, to give it honour instead of God. There are false gods in our world which clamour for our praise and worship. False gods and idols which at times we adore and turn to. 
self-sufficiency and security, the love of wealth, sex appeal, family comfort, identity, the list of gods in our world is almost endless. And in the tough moments that come this year, those gods are going to cry out to us and call us to put our trust in them. In the difficult moments, the idol of wealth is going to say something just like, if you had more money, this problem could be solved. Life would be easier if we lived in pursuit of money, wouldn't it? We'd have more decision-making power, more influence, more treatment options when we got ill, more options of where we'd like to live and what we'd like to do with our spare time. If only we worshipped at the temple of the dollar, doing whatever it takes to grow in wealth, surely we would be satisfied. But money doesn't really satisfy, does it? It doesn't matter how much you've got, it's never enough. Does it really offer us comfort and genuine hope when our life's plans start to crumble? Money is won and lost. Inflation and market crashes show us how vulnerable it is. There are many things that wealth can do for us. But it can be a cruel master if we chase it all of our lives as an act of worship. In difficult moments, the idol of religion will mutter to us, oh, this is because you haven't done X or Y or Z. You haven't kept the rules. It might even whisper to you, you didn't read your Bible every day. You didn't pray enough. If you'd done that, you wouldn't be facing this. The idol of religion doesn't sound like the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, does it? Who absolutely wants us to hear his voice in the Bible and to speak to him in prayer every day. But as a response to his love, as a result of his joy growing in us, as an act of devotion to him, not because we're afraid of him, not as a thing that needs to be checked off the list every day so that we don't get whacked by God, so that we don't make him angry, because we relate to him and love him and want to hear his voice. Those are just two of the idols of our world. Religion and money, they leave us tired and thirsty, don't they? They are cruel masters, the idols of this world, which only drive us further into bonded service. But Jesus, our loving Lord, is so different. He gives himself. He gives his very life for our good. He doesn't hold us captive. He sets us free, free from the power of sin and death as he exchanges his perfection for our sin on the cross, paying the price for our worship of self and the idols of this world. He sets us free from the right and just wrath of God at our rebellion and our constant running after idols instead of his way of holiness. When life's troubles come, Jesus' people, Christians, are called to look to our King in heaven, who is the bread of life and offers living water that satisfies the one who satisfies our deepest desires and needs. Well, how do we do that? We ascribe to the Lord the honour and glory that he is due. We acknowledge and name the one who has redeemed and saved us. We turn to him in obedience because of our great love for his good ways which see us growing. When the storms of life come, we remind ourselves that he is our loving Lord and we give him the honour that he is due. When the storms of life come, we remind ourselves that he is in control, that he is awesome and mighty. Jesus isn't our buddy. 
Our God is not our mate. He is powerful and mighty. Verses 3 and 4 demonstrate God's power in the imagery of a thundering storm. It's a terrifying scene. His thundering voice is the same voice that spoke over the waters of creation. The chaos that's represented by the raging oceans, this place of terror and unpredictability in the ancient Near East world, sits under his voice. His voice is over the oceans. Just like it sat under his Holy Spirit who hovered over the waters in creation. The God who formed the oceans thunders over them. His voice drowns out the sound of the sea. He is in control. His voice, his command is like thunder. And it smashes impressive and powerful trees, verse 5. It scatters not only strong and wild animals, but also the proud and arrogant motives of nations. He has dominion over the uninhabited, barren wilderness that people find uncontrollable. The God of the Bible is not a God that you can pop in your pocket or stick on your dashboard in your car. He is the king whose voice is like thunder and lightning. He strips forests bare, the psalmist tells us. He shakes the desert. He splinters oaks. In the chaos of this picture of a storm that the psalmist paints for us, do you see what all creation cries? Look at verse 9. It cries out, glory. Glory to God. As God acts and his voice thunders, as the trees crashed down and splintered, his glory was seen. His might was recognized. His power was evident and obvious in the world. How true is it, and I hope you've seen it in your own life, that as the storm rages around us, we see most clearly who God is. He might not stop the storm. He might not pull us out of it but he will walk with us right through it, allowing us to respond to the situation in ways that glorify his name as we tell of what it means to have God with us. As we put our feet on the rock and heed Jesus' way over the way of the world, then we really see God as he is. We see God as he is when his power and holiness is displayed for us. And when we see that, there should be no other appropriate response but to get on our knees in acknowledgement of just far our lives, even at their very best, are removed from the holiness of God. And just how undeserved his gracious love and the salvation that he pours out on us day by day really is, as he sits on his throne, blessing those who acknowledge him as the king forever. His power would be displayed again in a storm. A storm on Lake Galilee where he called out, Be silent. And the wind and the waves obeyed him. His power would be displayed again in the Garden of Gethsemane. In a storm that was raging inside him where he faced his own death in our place. And he calmed that storm by saying, Not my will be done, but yours be done. His power would be seen when he didn't just splinter oaks and trees, but destroyed death itself as he was raised bodily from the dead in the resurrection, securing securing our eternal hope. As people who follow Jesus, 
we have every reason to offer God glory and honour and strength, don't we? And that is the call for us as we face the unknowns of 2023. For all of us, there will be things in the year ahead that we wished never happened. Storms will come. The trees and the earth will shake around us. And when they do, when the trees crash down and the waters rage, we might be tempted to respond just like the fools of this world who build their lives on sand, on hopes and dreams of self-sufficiency, of running to the idols of wealth or sex appeal or workaholism or a thousand other things which demand our attention and our lives and our worship. Or we can build our lives on the rock, looking to the Lord Jesus and putting his ways into practice in our lives. We can build them on the truth of Jesus, on his promises and claims, trusting in his voice, which calls us to repent and to live in repentance. Sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? It sounds wise. It's a no-brainer. Which option are you going to take, wisdom or foolishness? But for the Christian person to admit and to recognize and to live out the reality that God is giving, blessing his people and giving them strength by his spirit, it sounds so straightforward. Of course I'll build my life on Jesus. But so often we don't. I hope it's not just me that gets it wrong. I hope it's not just me that chases after the idols of this world, of people's approval and being liked, of building special family moments over being with the Lord Jesus. Of course I'll build my life on Jesus. We don't want to identify with the foolish man who builds his life on the sand, but so often we do. The prevailing culture of our world invades our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our actions. We pursue the things that this life has to offer, which promise to satisfy our deepest needs if we worship them, but leave us so empty. If we build our lives on the worship of those things, the holy God, the God who will be ascribed all honour and glory, Jesus tells us, will send us away. Many will cry out, but Jesus, we knew all about you. We did things for you. We were religious. We turned up week after week. And he will say, away from me. Because lip service to him while we worship idols with our hearts will not save us. They will only bankrupt and exhaust us taking us away from loving our Lord Jesus. In the here ahead, I am certain about one thing, friends. For all of us, there will be things that happen that we wish never happened. And when they come, we will have two choices before us. A choice to be wise and to build our lives on the rock. Or a choice to build our lives on the sand as we worship the idols of our hearts. We can trust in those idols or the holy God who is, in the king of, who is the king in heaven. At that moment, may we all, in the power of God's Holy Spirit, ascribe greatness to our God, to honour him and remember his power in the storms of life, power and majesty which will be recognised by every vain thing that we worship to the glory of his name. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are the King in heaven. Thank you that you love us, that you sent your Son to die for us. Thank you that you give your Holy Spirit to dwell in us. In the year ahead, in the midst of the storms, would your Spirit help us to remember this psalm and that you are powerful, that you are with us. Would you help us to remember this psalm so that we might ascribe to you glory and strength to the honour of your name. Lord, we long to be a people who live your way. And so we ask in this year ahead that you would make us more and more like the Lord Jesus, who trusted you above all in the most difficult moments of facing death on a cross. Lord Jesus, would you help us, please, to trust you more and more each day, that we might be transformed to your likeness. We ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen. If you'd like to connect with more of our online content at Holy Trinity in Richmond, you can do that by going to our YouTube page simply by searching for Richmond Anglican Aotearoa. You can also touch base with us online at our website or on Facebook by searching with those same words. Friends, we're so thankful that you've joined us online and that you're enjoying our content. We really do hope and pray that God is blessing you through it. If you've got any feedback, you can touch base with me, zane at richmondparish.nz. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.